Hey, what's up, guys? This is Box Office Brunch. We're your hosts. I'm David. And I'm Rita. And today we're talking about The Breakfast Club. Because we're kind of like a breakfast club. Yeah, we're our own little club. We brunch. We're the brunch club. The The brunch bunch. We can't say that. Oh, yeah. Someone else is the brunch. Yeah, that's a brunch. That's another. That was going to be our name. But but somebody else had it. It's okay. such a good name. Good job to them. <laughs> yeah, and we had coffee. Yeah, we had coffee. We had some food. So, get your shit. Let's go. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happened. All right, so before we get started on The Breakfast Club, we have a couple of comments to read from one of our listeners on our last episode on Crazy Rich Asians. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you should go check it out. But we got a message from our listener, Amanda. I think we should explain who she is (laughs) because she's the only one who comments. Yeah, so I think it was... The Matrix, I think, was the first episode where this happened. So Amanda is my sister. I said that in a, in a previous episode, but it got edited out. It didn't fit for whatever reason. It was just never mind. It was awkward. <laughs> yeah. So Amanda is my sister. And when we were doing the Matrix episode, I texted her while we were picking up lunch. And I was like, hey, can you send me your thoughts on the Matrix so that we can have some like more dynamic things to talk about when we're doing the episode so ever since then she's been sending thoughts on some of the movies that we're doing depending on what they are and and that kind of stuff and i don't know what more you want me to say (laughs) well just okay she yes she's david's sister so thank you amanda she was sending some information (laughs) on the it episodes because she's a big Stephen King buff. She had read the books. And before we had talked about even The Shining, she had asked about, are we going to talk about the books? And we had kind of mentioned the things that Rita mentioned in the last episode about how we're a movie podcast. And so we're mostly going to focus on the movie. But if you want to send us some information comparing the movie to the books, since you've seen the movies and read the books, that'd be cool. Something for us to talk about. And so she was sending us some information for those. Yeah. And we still have yet to share it, but we will. We'll share it on a highlight, what she said about the It movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Because it was really I'm interesting. Bad. It was a lot of really cool stuff. So we'll we'll definitely get that on the platform. And then as far as Crazy Rich Asians, she did send in a few things. So thank you, Amanda. So the first thing she said is that the earrings that Astrid purchased but doesn't wear until after telling her husband off were worn by the queen during her self-coronation. Which is something I hadn't thought about. I yeah. That was really interesting. And then it makes it all the more appropriate that Astrid wears them when she reclaims her own power yeah. and dumps her husband and all that stuff. Yeah, it was her self-coronation, basically. Mm-hmm. And then she said, Asian culture is very much the man is outside of the family, ensuring the family's security, and the mother is at home creating the home and growing the family. Hence why the male figures are largely absent from the family scene, which also makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and also is kind of something where Nick is kind of trying to break that mold Mm -hmm. and break that tradition. Yeah. And then she said, have you guys noticed you sort of sound high in the sense that your commentary is all over the place? I'm loving it, which we weren't high. (laughs) No. But we were. But we are all over the place. (laughs) I think we were feeling goofy that day. Yeah. we. I mean, we both love that movie a lot. I thought it was really interesting. So the Crazy Rich Asians episode actually got recorded before our spooktober month where we were doing halloween movies in october and i can tell the difference listening to them we were definitely really drained during by the end of the october episodes and then i listened to crazy rich asians i had kind of fallen back into my very quiet tone during october i think just because i was tired and then you go back to crazy rich asians and we definitely had a lot more energy yeah at that point 
because we weren't on this crazy rigorous, like both of us traveling and recording schedule that we were on. So I, I think that's interesting. And I definitely think we were a little slap happy that day. We tend to get that way when, when we're together anyway. I also happened to say bok bok bitch like 30 times before <laughs> we even recorded it. So I think we were just in a very goofy mood that day. But yeah, we weren't high. I promise. Yeah, um, please don't drug test us at work. And then she said, I, mean, I would can. likely have a heart attack being at the top of that building where their engagement party is held. Like, wow, which, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> I think engagement parties are funny. Yeah, I mean, they're crazy rich, so. Yeah. I The fact that they were able to get the entire top of that building is probably pretty expensive. Do you think birds are allowed up there? <laughs> no, no there's somebody standing at the edge asking if they have their, their have ticket, ticket. <laughs> do you, is your name on the list yeah i'll have to check uh i'll have to check the list and then the last thing she said which i was hoping she forgot but she didn't <laughs> uh was so waiting for the story of rita hugging me at the airport lol okay i have to explain you guys so, so do we want to first preface where this comment came from yes when we were talking about in the last episode how when rachel goes to hug nick's mom and she's all rigid and she kind of looks uncomfortable <laughs> like maybe she's not a hugger and i said i've been there before i was referencing david's sister amanda <laughs> because okay let me explain yes let's <laughs> start from the beginning from the, in 1991 <laughs> And ever since then, it's all been downhill. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Because I'm laying down. I'm going to lay down on my leather couch here, you know, and start just talking about my woes. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we're awkward as hell. <laughs> so we're awkward people. David and I are socially awkward. So David's from Georgia, the country. I mean, the, <laughs> the state. I meant not the country. <laughs> the country. Off. <laughs> great yes i'm from the state of georgia yeah and i have family my brother and my sister-in-law my nieces and nephews live in georgia so david and i would travel for the holidays to georgia to visit family and so we would book the same flight because it would be kind of nice to travel together and talk when you're socially awkward having somebody <laughs> you're comfortable with there helps <laughs> so the first year we went david's dad came to pick him up from the airport and i went to go shake his hand and he hugged me and he said, this family hugs people. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Very sweet. Yeah. Tender moment, whatever. Which like Rita and I are very close. We're very huggy. Yeah. People, so. so fast forward to a year later, Amanda comes to pick David up and we're getting off the plane <laughs> and I turn to David and I go, should I hug her? And he says, sure. So she goes to hold her hand out to introduce herself and I fucking hug her. And it was like I shot her, like her face, her hand stayed there, like waiting for me to shake it. And she just like froze. She was caught off guard. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, obviously, I've known my sister a very long time. I've never shaken her hand and I'm socially awkward. So when you're like, D should I hug her? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I mean, because I don't know. I don't okay. know why I didn't think about it. It was it was my bad. It was me. Okay, <laughs> like that li that scene and, well, in Liar Liar. I don't think I ever explained this to her, so she didn't even know. And so she probably just thought that I was a hugger. And I have to explain: I'm not a hugger. I don't hug strangers. Like, right? I just thought your family hugged because your dad <laughs> said it, and then you told me, "Sure, go for it." Yeah. Anyways, it was so freaking awkward because you could tell she just felt so uncomfortable, and then it just like. Got Which worse in turn me. made Rita feel very uncomfortable. And Rita's Rita and I are very sensitive. Like we've said in previous episodes, we're the same person. <laughs> we feed off of other people's emotions. And so and then my sister said something about like, even David hugs me longer than I'm comfortable with, like on purpose. And she was trying to make me feel better, but all I could think of was when's the next next truck coming so I could <laughs> jump in front of it and kill myself. Like oh my I was gosh. so embarrassed and then as if like things couldn't get any worse <laughs> david's like well i gotta wait for my bag of baggage claim so i'm waiting with him at baggage claim and i'm just thinking about how i basically assaulted his sister oh and how she probably fucking hates me and she then doesn't hate you and then i say goodbye to them and i go <laughs> hide like in the little doorway and they walk out past me and say goodbye again and i'm like 
can I be fucking left alone? Like, I just want to. Is there no end to my misery? (laughs) So I was hoping Amanda forgot this. But Amanda, I'm clearing the air. Your brother set me up. Your dad set me up. Like, how was I supposed to know you didn't like hugs? She does like hugs. She just doesn't like hugs from people she doesn't know. Yeah. Well, now you probably know me better than because you listen to me talk every week pretty much. But regardless, I'm never going to hug Amanda again until she prompts it. That's for sure. Well, that's fair. Oh, my God. I'm sorry that this situation happened for both of you. I'm sorry that both of you are so traumatized (laughs) by it that you're both talking about it in therapy five years later four years later but i honestly really thought she forgot about it and so when i made the (laughs) comment in the last episode i didn't think she would pick up on it and then when she wrote us the email with the comment i was like damn she remembers i should have just edited it out so that the wounds were not opened (laughs) it's not a wound i just felt like i should explain myself it seems like a wound (laughs) i just felt like i should explain myself because it was a setup kind of wounded it was a setup it was an inside job. It was. <laughs> you and your dad. Yeah. Well, we are a very huggy family. When you're in the family, I guess. That makes total sense. But also, that's like the kind of person my dad is, though. Like, my dad is the kind of person who's going to make friends because he just starts random conversations with people in line. But at could the you see store. how I was confused? Yeah. Because, like, I go to shake his hand and then he hugs me. And yeah. then your sister goes to shake my hand and I hug her. And I like, <laughs> like, this is how they start hugs. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, it just, it was very, could you imagine? It was very confusing for me. Yeah. I mean, I've probably been in a situation similar where I just blocked it out. Have you ever thought someone was waving at you? So you wave, but they're waving at the person behind you. Yeah, that's why I'd never wave at people. <laughs> and this is why you don't hug anymore. We've both learned our lessons. I know my sister's like, your hugs suck, man. <laughs> She's like, you like her and Zach sat there roasting me the other day because of my hugs. They're like, you barely even touch people when you hug them. Okay, let's not talk about Zach roasting. Okay, I'm going to get fucking <laughs> triggered. <laughs> That's a story for another time. You can't hear that. Sorry. You're not privy (laughs) to it. But anyways, thank you, Amanda. We really appreciate you and love you for like always. Yes. Supporting the podcast and writing in. Yeah. And you guys are more than welcome to email us the same way Amanda does at boxofficebrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Please email us. Like, holy shit. Please. please. Quit texting us your fucking comments. (laughs) So in honor of Amanda, we're going to talk about a movie that came out on her birthday. Oh, that's really cool, actually. Yeah. It came out a year before she was born, but still. All right. Well, Sorry, what... I think I just exposed her age. I don't know. That's probably not appropriate, but um, her well, age and her birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> the Breakfast Club It's close to your, your birthday, gift. too. I know. That all the best people are born in February. Well, okay. The second best people are born in. A lot of my favorite people are born in February. Yeah. And I have some favorites born on the same day in September. I have three people born on September 17th wow yeah i have three other people in my family born on september 17th that's crazy (laughs) yeah four people in our family and i'm the only one related to any of them by blood i am the common denominator congratulations thanks i feel very privileged that's awesome i was not being facetious (laughs) i was being i was being earnest i can't tell (laughs) okay well (laughs) All when right. did The Breakfast Club come out? The Breakfast Club was released February 15th, 1985. Directed and written by John Hughes. Can I say something? Of course. I have a confession. I thought John Hughes and John Cusack were the same person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So then I read like a fun fact. That oh, was like John I, was, Cusack. I was literally scrolling down to be like, didn't I have a fun fact with John yeah, Hughes? Yeah, so I was reading a fun fact about John <laughs> Cusack and I was like, why would the director audition for the role? Did you know that the director is in the movie? Is he the janitor? No. <laughs> no. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. Well, right. so what are some box office? So this movie had a budget of $1 million, which in 1985 was a lot of money. I mean, it's still a lot of money. <laughs> it's more money than I'm ever going to see. It made million in its opening weekend, so that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Its total box office run was $51.5 million, which I thought was pretty interesting. It's 10 times its opening weekend. That's nice. That's that's some math for you. It's one of the films from the Brat Pack. Is that what they call it? The Brat Pack is the nickname that the actors in this movie 
got, I think it was after this movie, I think that they were called that Mm -hmm. because a bunch of the actors were in movies together around this time, like within the few years around this. So we can talk about the, the cast a little bit later. The only really like competition that I saw for this movie around the time, for some reason I had a really hard time finding movies that came out in February of 1985, but witness came out the year there, the weekend before this, which have you ever seen that? Mm -mm. It's got like Harrison Ford. It's about, he's a police detective and an Amish boy witnesses a murder. And so they're trying to like protect him and there's a chick and stuff. (laughs) There's an Amish chick. They're trying to protect him and this chick and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like a baby chick. It's a very interesting like movie. Like a chick chick. There's a kid. There's a guy. There's a chick. There's um, and the a murder, baby chick. A baby chick. Yeah. A chicken. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The synopsis for this is five high school students meet on Saturday, in Saturday detention and discover how they have a lot more in common than they thought. So this movie starts out with a monologue monologue and a quote and i don't remember either one so the quote is from david bowie yes like one of david bowie's songs i don't have the quote it was something about like the kids that you make fun of in high school don't care or something like that because they understand that they're gonna move past it or something along those lines so the movie starts out on saturday hang on i can pull up the quote and these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. That was a lot closer than I thought. Oh, good job. These you kids know who, are, you're making fun of don't care. You know who actually recommended that? The girl who plays the awkward girl. What's her name? Allison. Yeah, the girl who plays Allison. She's the one who actually made that recommendation that John Hughes put that quote in there. Oh, and cool. It made it. So that was actually one of the fun facts that I had about this movie. I guess let's just run through the, we normally try not to run through the cast, but let's just do it real quick because let's get the Brat Pack out of the way because we're already talking about him a bunch. So Andrew was played by Emilio Estevez, which is Martin Sheen's son and Charlie Sheen's brother. So he's got a very like famous actor family. And I looked it up because I was like, why the fuck is his name Emilio Estevez? (laughs) But Martin Sheen's maiden name, I guess, is Estevez. And Uh so he decided to go by that. Well, when I was looking up the cast, I was like, I don't remember seeing anyone that looked like an Emilio. And I was (laughs) like, I'm pretty sure Bender, the guy who played Bender, was not Emilio Estevez. And then I looked it up and I was like, his name's Emilio? Yeah. I know. He's like a blonde white guy (laughs) so that just shows you how freaking ridiculous we are yeah so andrew is played by emilio estevez bender or john bender is played by judd nelson claire is played by molly ringwald allison is played by ali sheedy brian is played by (laughs) anthony michael hall what ali sheedy she's so sheedy (laughs) oh my gosh Stop making fun of people. Stop throwing shade. So anyways, those five are the Brat Pack. There were a couple other people. I think Demi Moore and there were a couple other people. Paul Gleason plays Mr. Vernon. Well, no, I was going to say there were a couple other people that were in the Brat Pack. Oh. Like young actors of this time that were in a bunch of movies together. Mm -hmm. The other two main cast members were... Uh, Mr. Vernon, who is played by Paul Gleason, and Carl, the janitor, played by John Kapalos, I think is how you say it. Sure. So I actually saw a little bit ago that this movie had essentially seven cast members, if you count Mr. Vernon and Carl. It had, I think, 11 if you count all of the parents, but most people don't because they have such small parts. And so that actually ties this movie with you know, I forgot. A but quiet place? Maybe. Yeah. For like the lowest number of cast members. I actually saw that. You guys still needed a million dollars when all you did was film inside of a school? Wow. Oh my gosh, the shade. So I, 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 thought, it was, <laughs> I thought it was funny the way that it was worded. I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but it said, 
it tied it for the most least number of cast members <laughs> or something like that. I thought it was really funny. So, so yeah, it starts with a monologue. Brian, who's the nerd, it's his voiceover. Oh, I was saying something and I forgot before I jumped um, into the cast. Sorry. Because you were mentioning that Ali Sheedy had mentioned or had recommended. Oh, the so quote. you're going to say that John Hughes took the recommendations. John Hughes, they were very involved in a lot of the decisions made. So a lot of this movie was ad-libbed or a lot like some key parts were ad-libbed and there were some i think john hughes had showed the main cast an early edit of the script and got their recommendations on which parts they really liked and stuff and then there were a couple there were there was basically a lot of input from the cast on this and he kind of very very much valued their opinions on a lot of things and i thought that that was really cool except for one person the guy who played bender he didn't like right. him. He, yeah, he was the last person cast. But I think he... So Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy, and Anthony Michael Hall were a very tight-knit group already. Like Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were in 16 Candles, another John Hughes movie the year before this. They were actually the first two cast. And then I think Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson after this were in like St. Animal's Fire and some stuff together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were kind of a tight-knit group. And I think that I read that Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were kind of clicky with John Hughes. Like, they were very close because they'd worked together before. And so I just thought it was interesting, kind of the input that he allowed the actors to have on their characters and the decisions that he let them make. Yeah. So now let's jump into the movie. (laughs) So the monologue starts with Brian, who is the nerd. That's my furnace. <laughs> David just got scared. I didn't. I thought it was coming through my headphones. <laughs> so it's Saturday, March 24th, 1984. And all these kids are getting dropped off at school and for detention, mm-hmm. for an all-day detention. All-day detention? Yeah, fuck that. Seriously. When so- I was in high school, I never went to detention. But detention, I think, was like an hour after. Like it was after school yeah. for an hour or whatever. There was in-school detention and then there was after-school detention. Because I don't think they did it on the weekends because honestly, nobody wanted to be there on the... No staff wanted to be there on the weekends. Yeah. What what was in-school detention then? Like during class? <laughs> I don't know. I only got it once and my iPod got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I had the worst, worst dean. Because mm. the deans in my school, because I had 600 people in my graduating class. Jesus. Alone. But in my school, the deans were split up by last name. And so I got Mrs. Mead and she was a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> and she was just the worst. She was an asshole. My mom called me out of class to take me to an appointment. And she was convinced I ditched class. And so my mom tried to call and say, no, I, I excused her. I guess because my mom didn't excuse me in time, she counted me as ditching class and she gave me two after school detentions towards the end of the school year. And she said, if you don't show up, you'll have after school detention oh or in God. school detention next year when you come back. This was my junior year. Jeez. And then I was in in school detention and I got up to go to the bathroom and somebody stole my iPod. This is my iPod video. IPod. And then I didn't tell my dad for a long time because I was scared. I used to leave my stuff everywhere in high school. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Anyways, back to the kids. Yes. So there was a monologue from Brian at the beginning where he's reading a letter to Mr. Vernon, basically saying like, we're a jock, we're a nerd, we're an outcast, we're a criminal Mm -hmm. and a princess and we don't need to tell you who we are. That's pretty much the premise of it. Yeah. So we're introduced to the five characters, Claire who's snobbish and extremely popular, played by Molly Ringwald, Brian Johnson, who's a brainiac, played by Anthony Michael Hall, Andrew Clark, who's a jock on the wrestling team, played by Emilio Estevez, John Bender, a rebellious teen, played by Judd Nelson, and Allison Reynolds, an introverted outcast, played by Ali Sheedy. Yeah, so they just go sit in the library, and the vice principal, Richard Vernon, played by Paul Gleason, comes in and tells them they can't talk or move from their seats or sleep until 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. And he tells them that they have to write a thousand word essay in which they have to they describe. They each have to write it. Yep. Which they describe to him who they think they are. And he leaves 
and goes to his office and props the door open to the library where they're hanging out. Right. So he walks to his office and immediately, well, even for before Mr. Vernon gives his like speech about what they have to do, Bender's already causing shit. Like he's moving chairs around, propping his feet up on the table and all kinds of stuff. And as soon as Mr. Vernon leaves, he's like up talking to people riling everybody up and they're like stop we're gonna get in trouble and he's like fuck that like he's it's not his first rodeo yeah he doesn't care he clearly has a problem with authority and adults and stuff and so he's just like the main focus of his antagon antagonism that's Mm -hmm. not the right word is it sure (laughs) (laughs) basically the main target for him are claire and andrew Mm mm-hmm And so they're like going back and forth. He eventually gets up and sabotages the door that Mr. Vernon has propped open by taking a screw out of it so that it can't stay open. Which that scene made me laugh because he's like, where's the screw, Bender? And he's like, why would would I want a screw? (laughs) (laughs) He's just, and he's like, come on, Bender. I know you're messing with me. And then Claire goes, Really, sir, none of us know what happened with the screw. And I mean, this principal's a dick. Yeah. He yells at all of them, even when they're being polite to him. Right. But anyways, and then he tries to get the, he gets Andrew to put the magazine stand (laughs) in the doorway. And then he, Bender goes. Bender's like, what "What if if there's there's a fire? fire? (laughs) And so then he goes, oh, no, that won't work, sir. And so then all of a sudden, Mr. Vernon's like, what are you doing? Get that out of there. Like Blaming Andrew for it. <laughs> I like when he's like, what if there's a fire? Surely you wouldn't want to endanger the lives of children. And Brian is like, well, actually, the library has two exits in case of a fire. And he's like, show some respect to Dick. <laughs> <laughs> because his name is Richard Vernon. Yeah. Which, how did Richard turn into Dick? You know, you got me. David's like, we could go on and on about that all night. Yeah. To kind of call back to when Rita and I would fly to Georgia together, we actually would talk nonstop the whole way. And Rita and I are typically, well, okay, there are people who are going to disagree that we're typically chatty people. (laughs) You know what, though? Everybody who thinks we're chatty, I just read in one of my classes that people have misconceptions about introverts and thinking that being an introvert means you're shy and you don't talk. Yeah. But that's false. So we just don't talk to people we're not comfortable with. And and I'm sorry, I'm at work. I have to talk to you. Okay. Ask my family how much I talk. Ask my husband. I say 20 words to him all day. Yeah. Amanda would probably agree when I'm in Georgia for Christmas. Oh, I was like, why would Amanda Mitchell agree? <laughs> like, yeah, Amanda. We also coworker. <laughs> yeah, we have a coworker named Amanda too. Hi, Amanda, if you're listening, love you. Oh, I wanted to say something. So Judd Nelson, actually, who played Bender, stayed in character the whole time on yeah. set, and he was really mean to Molly Ringwald mm-hmm. because that's what Bender did in the film. And I guess John Hughes. John Hughes was not a fan because he was a big Molly Ringwald fan. Yeah. And so he almost fired him until Paul Gleason stepped in and said, he's just a really good actor. Right. He's getting into character and he's a good actor. He, he deserves the part and you know, good for him because Judd Nelson destroys this role. He's so good in this. He's so so funny. So everyone in this movie did a really good job, but Judd Nelson is the star as far as I'm concerned. He's so funny. He is funny. He had all of the lines that had me like cracking up. <laughs> he did. He just, he kind of is like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And yeah. Alice and just like when they're opening up their lunches and stuff and he's, he's just, like walking around and like that line when Molly Ringwald is getting, she gets sushi for lunch and he's like, what's that? And she's, she's like, it's sushi. You know, raw fish, rice, seaweed. And he's like, says something like, you won't let a guy put his tongue in your mouth, but you'll eat that. And she's like, you're disgusting. Can I eat now? And he's like, you can try, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, so he he starts to get, Bender himself starts to get the kids all riled up. and Yeah, he's just antagonizing everybody. It's a lot of just him dicking around with them. And Allison doesn't talk 
Mm-hmm. The whole time she makes sounds. She but... doesn't say a word for the first 25 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And, and then... the, the the one thing she does say is when Bender is harassing Claire, she says, ha. And then Claire turns around and goes, shut up. <laughs> yeah, because Claire is saying that she feels like her parents don't really care about her because you find out in the beginning of the film that Claire's in uh, detention. No, I think this is the part where Bender's asking her if she's a virgin and she refuses to answer. Well, if she's ever kissed somebody and stuff. Yeah, so at the beginning of the film, you find out that Claire's in detention because she ditched class to go shopping. Right. And she's the only one with a reason when you get in there, so you have no clue what the other right ones are in there for. But yeah, no, she was talking about her parents. So she, because I watched it this morning again, so she's talking about, because he's oh, asking right. about her, her parents, parents, and she says she's, back at yeah, she thinks other. that her parents don't really care about her and that they use each other to get back at her and that's when Allison is like ha and she just turns around and looks at her and goes shut up (laughs) so this is all going on and they're going back and forth and it's kind of like Andrew and Bender are competing for Claire's attention in a way so this is something that I I was going to mention it later down in the fun facts but there's a YouTube channel called My Little Thought Tree which is actually run by a professional therapist And he has five videos on the five main characters of The Breakfast Club and kind of dissects their mentality. And it gave me a better appreciation for the movie because it allows you to see the nuances in the actors and the acting and stuff that and the storytelling that you don't get just watching it at face value. It doesn't give you all this information. But when he goes through each character and dissects all of their actions and the things that they do and the things that they say, it really gave me a deeper appreciation for the movie. So I highly recommend it. My Little Thought Tree has... My Little Pony. Has great videos and his ones on The Breakfast Club. If you're a fan of the movie, they're really interesting. So he kind of mentioned in one of his videos about how Bender and Andrew are competing for basically dominance and to be the leader of the, the group. They're having a pissing contest. Basically. Yeah, they're if you're Yeah, and so there's there really is not much to say in terms of plot in the yeah. first part of the library because it's just a lot of banter. So there are a few things. Bender makes a lot of sexual jokes towards Claire. Mm-hmm. Allison doesn't really talk. Brian tries to get their attention. He says he's part of the physics club and mm-hmm. they're trying to explain that academics clubs are different than the other clubs and Yeah, I actually read that there were a few moments in this movie where John Hughes actually inserted some other things just so that it wouldn't be like a nonstop talkathon. Yeah. And so because it is a lot. So uh, the majority of the movie takes place in one room, the library. Yeah. Where the kids are staying and it's a lot of back and forth and it, it's a much more psychological movie than I initially thought watching it the first time, but after watching those YouTube videos where you can kind of see these kind of dynamics building between the characters and stuff there's a lot more going on than meets the eye yeah mr vernon comes in and out and Mm -hmm. checking on them literally just make sure they're not moving out of place right i think at one point they fall asleep and he walks in and wakes them all up yeah he tells them to wake up and then he asks who has to use the lavatory and then they all raise their hands oh there was the part where he's in his office (laughs) i never thought I related more to Mr. Vernon in the movie than I did to the kids because that part where he's eating his lunch and he goes to pour his coffee and then he spills it all over his stuff and he just, his shoulders slump slumps. and he just looks so frustrated. I felt that to my core. <laughs> well, no, you know, when something, you're having a bad day and some minor inconvenience happens. And you that just... was not a minor inconvenience. <laughs> he poured some black sludge coffee all over his lunch. I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. And imagine you had to spend your your Saturday at work with a bunch of little shits. Yeah, exactly. So So he gets up to go, I think, get a snack from a vending machine or something. And this is when they they take an opportunity to go to Bender's locker. Well, not yet, because before that, he does get into an argument with Bender oh, when he comes in. And about, this is about the this is right after the door. I watched this scene today. Yeah. So they, after the door scene where he takes the screw out, 
Bender just keeps mouthing off to him. And so mm-hmm. he keeps giving him detentions. And Bender just keeps saying, I'll take another. And yeah. he goes, that's another one. And then he's like, he's are like, you done? And he's like, no. He's like, what about the week after that? He's like, I'm free then. Any further past that, I'll have to check my calendar. <laughs> and Claire looks at him and says, stop. Yeah. And he, the principal says, Mr. Vernon says, are you done? And he's like, no. And so they go on. And then it, Vernon basically tells him, I have you for two months. Yeah. And you can mess with the bull, you get the horns. And you can tell that Vernon, Mr. Vernon's kind of abusive towards Bender. Like, right. He just treats him like shit. And so you see the kids kind of softening towards Bender a mm-hmm. little bit. And then they do end up having lunch. And during the lunch scene, you find out that Bender comes from an abusive home because he starts making fun of Brian, the nerd. Right. For, oh. His perfect little lunch. Mm-hmm. And so then Andrew asks him, well, what's it like in your household? And he basically says that, you know, his dad would tell him to shut up and punch him. And Andrew doesn't believe him. So then he shows him a burn mark on his arm. And he says, that's what you get for spilling paint in the garage. Mm -hmm. Like a cigarette burn. And then he just flips out and he goes and like climbs the stairs and sits on the other side of the stairs. Yeah, because Andrew is like, well, that's not true or something like he's discrediting Mm -hmm. him. And you kind of see throughout the movie that this is a trend in Brent in Brenders. What? (laughs) This is a trend in Bender's life that nobody believes him. Yeah. And it's just, it's very sad. And even Claire after Andrew says that is like, you shouldn't have said that. And he says, there's no way I, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that he actually was abused. Did you know that Judd Nelson and, john hughes actually disagree on whether or not the burn mark was supposed to be real or not like whether whether they disagree on whether bender did it to himself or it actually happened at home well which one thinks which i don't know oh (laughs) wow that was all the fun fact said and i didn't look into it any further because i was leaving to come over here well so then they do sneak out to he goes to go get a snack and they sneak out to go to Bender's locker and he pulls out a bag of weed mm-hmm. and he stuffs it in Brian's pocket. And then they realize that they have to get back to the library because Mr. Vernon is headed back. Mm-hmm. And so Andrew and Bender are arguing about which way to take. And the group decides to follow Andrew and they end up getting trapped because like the, a gates down. Yeah. And so Bender makes the decision to distract Mr. Vernon, and he tells the rest of them to get to the library. So he starts skipping around the school singing. And when Mr. Vernon finds him, he's in the basketball court. He says something like, I'm going to try out for a scholarship or something like that. And Mr. Vernon says, hand me the ball. And he kind of pretends to throw it at him. And then he ends up just rolling it very gently to him. And then Mr. Vernon kicks it at him. Yeah, it's a very abusive relationship. But then he locks Mr. Vernon sucks. Yeah, then he locks him in a utility closet and he threatens him. He says, you know, when I see you five years from now or when you're graduated and I see you in the street, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Right. And Bender says, are you threatening me? And Mr. Vernon basically says, no one's going to believe you. It's my word against yours. So and then he tries to convince him to hit him there. And you can kind of see Bender looks a little scared. Because again, this is abusive. This is kind of triggering him it's bringing up his trauma with his at home life i'm sure so based on what we learn along the road bender is abused at home he's treated horribly and again he's in a situation where people are probably not going to believe him right so this situation that he's in with mr vernon where mr vernon is yelling at him this is a very familiar this is a little bit too real and a little too close to home for bender yeah but he ends up locking him in this utility did you know that when Mr. Vernon threatens to punch Bender that Flinch is real. Yeah. Judd Nelson actually thought he was going to be hit. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of funny. Which is scary, but. Well, he ends up locking him in this utility closet Mm -hmm. and we'll find out what happens to him after a message from our sponsor. And we're back. So Bender actually ends up climbing through the tile on the ceiling. Yeah. To get to the library and he falls through. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mr. Vernon's actually pooping pooping but he hears the sound and so he's like god so, damn it so before this i do have a fun fact so when he, when bender's crawling through the ceiling he starts a joke and the joke is a naked blonde woman walks into a bar with a poodle under one arm and a two foot long salami under the other she sets the poodle on the bar and the bartender says so i take it you won't be needing a drink and the blonde says 
and then he breaks through the floor and says, oh, shit, <laughs> which is not the punchline to the joke. This is actually a joke that Judd Nelson made up on the spot. This was ad-libbed. And for the longest time, they tried to come up with a punchline for it, and nobody could. So they just left it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But I always thought it was... I always thought That's the, really unsettling. Yeah, I thought the joke was really funny, though, because... <laughs> it's not a joke without a punchline. But I, what I liked about it was the fact that Judd Nelson was laughing at it already while he's <laughs> crawling through the ceiling. I love when people are telling jokes and they're laughing through it. Yeah. It makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. And I will laugh so much harder at somebody who can't tell me a joke because they're <laughs> laughing too hard than I will at pretty much any joke with a punchline. <laughs> Honestly, it is so freaking funny. Yeah. I love hearing people tell jokes that they can't get through. Yeah. Or like... I showed you those videos of Jenna Marbles watching TikToks and stuff. Yeah, that's and... not funny to me. Okay, well, snooty much? No, I just don't have an obsession with Jenna Marbles like you. Uh, okay, well, that's fine. But anyways, I will <laughs> watch those. He's just going to choke me in my, in my house later. <laughs> no, I won't. Anyways, what was I saying? <laughs> so I laugh at those videos not because of the TikToks. Like the t Some of the TikToks are pretty funny. But mostly I'm laughing at the fact that she is crying laughing in them. Yeah. I think that it like it just cracks me up. I don't laugh hard usually. I, yeah. I'll laugh. I giggle. But I don't laugh really hard. But the times I do, Zach wheeze laughs. I think it's because <laughs> he's laughing at what I'm laughing at. But he says he's laughing at me. Yeah. Dying. Yeah. Because he thinks it's hilarious. Like we were watching. I think I told you this. We were watching What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. And there was an episode where, spoiler alert for anyone listening, but there was an episode where they're, the sire who basically has birds all vampires gets out because they don't feed him and he's out and they follow him to this warehouse and they're trying to lure him out. And so one of the vampires is playing his harmonica and the freaking sire jumps out and like smacks him to the ground and knocks him out. And so his wife thinks he died. <laughs> and she's like, oh no lasso my lasso and then he sits up and he goes i think i swallowed the harmonica <laughs> when he says it he's the harmonica's playing <laughs> and i just died i died because like he's trying to say like i think i swallowed the harmonica but the harmonica noises are coming out of his throat and i swear i was cracking up so hard and zach was wheezing and he was crying and i was like wasn't that so funny and he goes no you're funny. <laughs> that was the stupidest joke of the whole show. And you laughed so hard. And he's like, are you high? And I was like, no, are you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so I think like, he just laughed at me because I was like, that is the best scene ever. If I watch it again, I'll probably cry. Do you remember when I used to cry about the Pinterest fails? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Pinterest fails. The, the nailed it the nailed memes. <laughs> the nailed <laughs> Where they're all fucked <laughs> like the cookie monster one yeah. is like he looks like a freaking alien yeah. oh my gosh anyways so he falls through the library and mr vernon is like God this is it. another scene that i cracked up at though he falls through and everyone's like what the hell is that and then they look up and he's walking down the stairs and he just goes i forgot my pencil <laughs> and then he hides under the desk where claire and andrew are because mr vernon runs in and asks them what's going on and they start they lying they, to him. They cover for him. Yeah. This is this is kind of the first scene really where we see them kind of have a bond. Yeah. Cause even Allison is is playing into it. Yeah, and he sticks his face in between Claire's legs. And yeah, she kind of didn't age well. Yeah, no. Wasn't cool. But she slaps him, which is perfect. Yeah. But she gets really irritated. It's not it, yeah, it's not shown as like an endearing thing no she slaps the shit out of him but yeah. mr vernon says i will not be made a fool and then he turns around and he's got the seat toilet seat cover on his butt yeah tucked into his pants oh and then i forgot to mention that there is a part where the kids are bored and they're playing at their desks and allison's drawing a picture and she scratches her head and her dandruff oh, yeah. don't they like they all start whistling a song together yeah and she scratches her hair and her dandruff makes snow on the thing that wasn't, they put Parmesan cheese in her hair. Ew. That's how they made the effect. So it wasn't real dandruff. It was that actress actually had Parmesan cheese on her hair. <laughs> That's what she scratched out. Yuck. Yeah. And then there were, were some more things like when they're eating lunch and she puts like, 
she takes the meat off her sandwich and then she flings it. She flings it and then she puts like pixie sticks and Captain Crunch on a sandwich. That was real. And that was all again her doing. She that decided to delicious. Do that. No, it doesn't. Just kidding. I used to but put she, potato uh, chips and bread and eat that. I don't think that's so weird. So apparently. Ali Sheedy decided to put the Captain Crunch in there because she thought that it would give it a good crunch for the shot, which it does. But I thought it's just I don't like that, that character up. at all. Even when she starts to kind of warm up and talk, I don't like her. Yeah, she kind of looks like Kate Beckinsale a little bit. I can see that. Just mm-hmm. like it, very dark. Mm-hmm. I think she's just she's pale and like pretty and in very dark. I don't like that character at all. That's fine. I wouldn't be you should friend. still watch the video though on I will. her character because it's it's really interesting. It and he mentions and I agree like her performance is really good. Once just watch the video. Anyway, so the kids basically decide to smoke the weed. Right, Bender after breaking through after like Mister Vernon leaves, he gets up and he gets his weed back from Brian, and then he walks off intending to smoke it. Claire is the first to go Follow. with him, and then Brian goes. And then Brian, and then Andrew, and then Allison. Mm-hmm. But I think Allison mostly goes just because she doesn't want to be left alone. Yeah. So then as they're smoking, they're giggling, and they're kind of letting loose, and they each confess why they're in detention. And so you find out that Andrew taped another student's butt cheeks together using athletic tape because he felt like he hadn't cut loose. Right. He kind of confesses some things about his relationship with his dad and about how his dad is constantly pushing him to be better. He, okay, so I'm paraphrasing a a couple things in this episode from these videos. So I highly recommend going and watching them. And when you watch them, please forgive me for paraphrasing a lot of the stuff. But he mentions that he, he's like a workhorse, like he's a, like a racehorse basically. And he feels like the only thing that, he's good for is his athletics Mm -hmm. and his dad and his coach who are both because he mentions that the reason that he's in detention is essentially because he his dad and his coach don't want him to throw his athletic career away yeah because no no one's going to give an academic scholarship to someone who gets suspended or kicked out of school right right so yeah, he mentions that his dad would always talk about how he used to cut loose all the time and he started to feel like he hadn't cut loose. And so when he saw this kid who's like a skinny, weak kid, it essentially manifested itself as all of the things that he hates about himself and that he fears his coach and his dad will see. And so he he attacks this kid. Yeah. Then Brian says that he left a flare gun in his locker. Right. And it went off accidentally, which destroyed this lamp that he made in his ceramics class. Right. His shop class. Or shop class. Yeah. It was a ceramic lamp. Yeah. So they he went into a lot more depth about it, about how he the reason that he was here is because he failed shop. Or he got a B, I think, in shop. He failed this assignment, which got him. And even if he like aces everything else, he's only going to have a B in shop because of this assignment. And because of the pressures that his parents are putting on him, he can't have a B. And so he was so upset about this assignment and everything. He brought a flare gun to school that shoot himself. Yeah, he was going to try to kill himself. And they laugh at him when he says that. Well, they they keep asking him, like, why did you have a gun in your locker? Why did you have a gun in your locker? And he tells them the story about the project and how he was failing and it wasn't acceptable for his to his parents. And so he brought this gun and they're like, well, what kind of gun was it? And he was like, it was a flare gun. And then everybody starts laughing. And then he starts laughing because I think it's Claire's like, it's not funny. And he's like, it, it kind of is funny. <laughs> That he brought a flare gun. I know, but still, it's yeah. pretty serious. And then you find out that Allison just fucking showed up because she felt like it, and she yeah. didn't actually have detention. She's telling all this, all these stories about how she's done every sexual thing you can imagine with grownups and like her therapist, and it's not assault because I paid him and like all of this stuff. And then Claire eventually admits that she's a virgin. And this is when Allison says, like, I'm not a nymphomaniac. I'm a compulsive liar. None of that's true and kind of causes some tension between them. But, yeah, she she's like, do you guys want to know why I'm here? And everyone's like, no. 
and she's <laughs> literally just had nothing better to yeah. do. And you find out that her family's more neglect. Her parents are neglect. <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> Neglectful. <laughs> it's past Rita's bedtime. <laughs> no, like my mouth wouldn't work. I couldn't say that word. What word? <laughs> I can't. It's like cinnamon. Synonym? Yeah. Neglectful. Yes. She's being neglected at home. Just the way I was like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like getting caught in your throat. <laughs> this is what I mean by stupid shit makes me laugh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's just there because she feels like it because she had nothing better to do. <laughs> right. And then Claire talks about how she felt peer pressured into ditching class to go shopping. And right. She feels like she has to keep up this you know, this charade of being this popular prissy girl when really she's not a slut and she's not all the other things right. that people think she is. We also learn that Allison, because of the neglect, kind of feels the need to run away. Like she kind of wants to run away. Yeah. Or is at least toying with the idea of it. Yeah. And they kind of just dis- determine that they all have more in common than they thought. Right. But also that they probably won't be friends outside of this day. Yeah. Claire is very, I kind of respect it a little bit, like when they're bonding and everything. And she's like, okay, but let's be real. Like this is, this is what's going to happen because we're in high school. And she mentions, she's like, Andrew, what would you do if Brian walked up to you on Monday? Imagine you're with all of your friends and he comes up. You'll probably say hi to him. But as soon as he walks away, you're going to make fun of him because mm-hmm. you don't want to lose how you're seen by your friends. And she's like, and I do the same thing. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's a really shitty thing to say. And she's like, but it's true. And I kind of, I don't know. I always thought that was like. It'll change. They definitely aren't going to change and become best friends, but it's going to change how they perceive each other. Yeah. They have. It's come changing to mutual- them. It's changing them, even if it's not going to impact necessarily their relationship Mm -hmm. in public at school yeah and so then claire gives allison a makeover Mm -hmm. and so she kind of cleans her up and gets her hair out of her face and does her makeup and andrew actually kind of thinks she's cute yeah which do you kind of see that allison from the beginning kind of likes andrew yeah a little bit but it just sparks a little bit of romantic interest from him and then claire decides she wants to break the whole innocent persona she's been going on about and she kisses bender right she goes to the so he had gone back to the storage closet so that mr vernon didn't know that he had broken out and then claire breaks in and they kiss and then detention's kind of coming to its end and they talk to brian about making like completing the essay for all of them and then they just leave the essay in the library and it basically says, you know, each one of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? And then he signs that sincerely the breakfast club, but there's a montage happening during all of that with his voiceover where they're leaving and Allison and Andrew kiss and Claire and Bender kiss. Allison rips Andrew's varsity patch off of his sleeve. (laughs) And Claire gives John one of her diamond earrings. Yeah. And he wears it. Yeah. And then as Vernon is reading the essay in which Brian says, you know, what they are, um, you see Bender walking off. And when he says, sincerely, yours, the breakfast club, don't you forget about me is playing. And Bender thrusts his fist into the air. Yep. Which is the classic fist thing that everybody does. Yeah. And he's walking through an empty football field. And that's the end. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was really funny. So when they get to Bender's locker and they get the weed out and he closes the locker, he doesn't lock it. And then Allison yeah, steals, she steals his steals lock. The lock. Like, she's, <laughs> she's, like a clip, she's a kleptomaniac. Yeah. But I thought one of the fun facts that I saw was that despite Mr. Vernon saying that he wanted a thousand word essay, the final essay ends up only being 96 words. <laughs> What's he going to do to them? Honestly? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but I did. I do have a couple of fun facts. I'm sure you have some too. I have a lot. There, so there were 
I had to cut myself off at some point because there are just so many fun facts about this movie. There's just a lot that went on behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead? So I already mentioned, again, the YouTube channel, My Little Thought Tree. highly recommend all of their videos, but the ones on The Breakfast Club are really, really good. The scene in which all the characters sit in a circle on the floor in the library and tell their stories about why they're in detention was not scripted. Writer and director John Hughes told them all to ad lib. This kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about him allowing them to have a lot of input. In a 2010 Vanity Fair magazine interview, Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall, who played Claire and Brian, said that John Hughes was receptive to the actors and actresses' improvisations. And some of them, including Brian's reasons for having a fake ID, which was so he could vote, made it into the final film. Mm -hmm. So Nicolas Cage was originally considered (laughs) for the role of John Bender, but the production could not afford his salary at the time. John Cusack was originally cast as Bender, but John Hughes decided to replace him with Judd Nelson before the shooting began. Jim Carrey auditioned for the role of Bender. Jodie Foster was considered to play Claire, and Brooke Shields was considered to play Allison. I cannot imagine Mm-mm, Brooke Shields being definitely her. Definitely not. It's she's she's not awkward enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I could see her being Claire. Yeah, but she's not awkward enough. And I could probably Allison. see Jodie Foster pulling off Allison. I don't know about that mm, age, but she's. I could see her pulling. I'm sorry. All I can think of Jodie Foster is Clarice. So <laughs> she's so she's such a good actress, though. She I is. think she could probably pull it off. Robin Wright auditioned for the role of Claire. And then I think I said this one already. Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall were the first to be cast. And I think, again, this was because they had been in 16 Candles the year before with John Hughes. So they were yeah. already familiar with him and he was familiar with their work. So this is kind of one that I alluded to earlier. Brian's father, who picks him up at the end of the film, is played by John Hughes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I think he's got like, I don't know, couple screens like oh he's <laughs> like, like M. Night Shyamalan yeah he didn't yeah he was basically not there uh Mr. Vernon was based off of a wrestling coach from John Hughes high school who flunked him in gym Hughes ran into him later and the coach said that the movie was really good but the teacher was a real jerk <laughs> oh well he was based off you yeah John Hughes attended Glenbrook North High School which is one of the schools the movie was filmed in and then Molly Ringwald declared in an interview that the line, when you grow up, your heart dies, said by Allison, was her favorite line in the movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have more about, I have a lot more about, well, I have a whole section basically about deleted scenes, but I don't know if that's necessarily, it was, it was basically, it was basically almost a two and a half hour long movie mm-hmm. that had a lot of other well, very random things. We'll post the deleted scenes to a highlight sure if you want yeah you can do that but basically it had a bunch of like dream sequences and like i'm glad they did daydreams and stuff yeah it was almost a very different movie basically is that all i had one of my favorite lines in the movie is actually when claire's giving allison a makeover Mm -hmm. and allison asks her she's like why are you being so nice to me and claire says because you're letting me And I thought that was like a very subtle, very powerful line that sometimes will be resistant to people's help and people's kindness. And then we'll also feel bad that we're not getting those things from people. Yeah. And so I think that being open to those kind of things is also very important. So that that line really kind of hit me. And that's all my fun facts. Okay, I have a few. So it was originally suggested that there would be several sequels to this movie that occurred every 10 years in which the breakfast club would get back together. This did not come to pass due to the volatile relationship between John Hughes and Judd Nelson. Mm-hmm. Hughes stated that he would never work with Nelson again. And it also it was unclear whether or not Hughes still held ill will against his off cast starlet, Molly Ringwald because Molly Ringwald actually starred in so many of his films and mm-hmm. she really wanted to break out of the awkward teen role that she was kind of boxed into. Mm-hmm. And so she decided to, pursue other things and john hughes took it really personally Mm -hmm. and so they really didn't have a good relationship and it that happened in the late 1980s because she moved on from the teen film genre to take on more adult roles and i guess he just took it really personally so there's some confusion molly ringwald is 
adamant that John Hughes initially wanted her to play Allison, but she wanted to audition for the role of Claire because, like you said, she had already played the awkward teen and stuff a few times, and she thought that Claire would be a departure from that. John Hughes says that she was meant to play Claire, but she wanted to play Allison, and so there's like some there's a dispute there. Well, John Hughes passed away. Right. So we'll never really know. Yeah. He passed away in 2009, so... We won't really ever know the truth. Yeah. And then Judd Nelson went undercover at a local high school outside Chicago near where the film was shooting and convinced the teenagers that he was a legitimate student. So after buying beer for them with his fake ID, because he was 24 at the time, Nelson told them to drop him off at the hotel where the actors were staying. Years later, reflecting on his antics, Nelson said, they would ask me why I was staying there, and I told them my dad was in jail. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He also went to, like, I read that he went to the laundromat in character, and some ladies there called the cops on him. Oh, my gosh. And then his clothes in the movie are the outfit he actually auditioned for the yeah, role. Yeah, I, I did read that. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And then Anthony Michael Hall's own mother and sister played his actual mother and sister in the movie when they oh, dropped him off. Oh, interesting. So I didn't that's know that. his actual family. Cool. And then I guess Anthony Michael Hall also hit a growth spurt during production. So I was reading that according to Judd Nelson, Hall was shorter than him at the start of the production, but the, at the end of it, he was taller than him. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite the growth spurt. <laughs> and here's the David Bowie thing. So the quote at the beginning of the movie is pulled from his song Changes. It can be found on his 1971 album, Hunky Dory. Ali Sheedy suggested the quote to John Hughes, who liked it and thus included it in the opening. Cool. So, and I think that was really it. I know the theme song, Don't You Forget About Me, was written for the film specifically. Oh, I didn't know that. And I knew that it was like synonymous with it. It was a very big part of it, but I didn't know that it was written for it. Yeah, and there were a lot of people that were asked to perform it that declined. Hmm. So it ended up being written for the film by Keith Forsey. And it was a number one hit for Simple Minds and Billy Idol and Brian Ferry turned down offers to record it first. Hmm. So lots of people turned it down and it actually is, I would say, a hit solely for this movie. Yeah. And because of this Because of this movie. So this movie, I read so many fun facts that I decided not to include, (laughs) but I'm including them anyways. So this movie actually got a R rating because of the language and the sexually like suggestive mm-hmm. stuff in it. And back then, basically all movies wanted to be PG because when it's PG, it can be seen by a larger audience. Yeah. So despite this movie being rated R and 16 Candles being PG, this movie performed way better than 16 Candles. And even though Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall both played kind of frenemies in this and 16 Candles, they actually dated off screen oh, for a little that. while yeah yeah there's this movie had a lot going on behind I, the scenes and I stuff. forgot to mention also the part where bender and andrew are going head to head and they're about to fight and bender says i'll kill you mm-hmm. and he pulls out the knife and he sticks it in the chair and then allison literally just reaches over and takes it <laughs> <laughs> she does this like, randomly in these scenes did you know that knife was actually judd nelson's and he actually carried it with for him. protection that's protection from what i don't know he kind of his character kind of reminds me of josh from drake and josh no josh from heavyweights i don't know what josh that was is. bad now josh good oh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah he was yeah. in the mighty ducks too he yeah, played yeah, yeah yeah he reminds me of him a little bit hmm. i haven't seen the mighty ducks or heavyweights in a very long time maybe that can go and that's it for fun facts. What would you rate this movie? I gave it a 7 out of 10. I like it a lot. I'd say an 8. Yeah. I debated and I was like, well, I don't know. But I will say that watching it for this podcast, I had seen it before a couple times. I, I want to say I watched it within the last year or something just because it was, it, I don't know, randomly. We watch it at least once a year. By we, she does not mean me. Yeah, me and Zach. <laughs> so I had watched it semi-recently just randomly for whatever reason watching it this time i enjoyed it more than i remember yeah it's it's a classic it's a classic hard to really rate it anything less than what it deserves but um yeah i really enjoy it yeah on that note we're gonna spin our wheel and by spin the wheel 
we didn't even tell you guys what's coming up next. Yeah. So we're shifting from our normal wheel to our Christmas wheel. So we've chosen a few Christmas movies that we wanted to watch. By a few season. Christmas movies, we mean two because we cannot do the every week again. Maybe next year. I don't think I'll survive it. <laughs> so we have a couple coming your way. So next episode is going to be The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that will be Scrooged. Yes. So keep those in mind. and. And I don't even have to plan out to watch that one because it'll be on at my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and then you can maybe get your sister's opinion in real life. <laughs> what? I don't know. I thought that was shade for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually, you, you're going to be visiting her. So. I know. We'll see I you just guys. thought it was funny that you were like, you can get her opinion in real life, even though we're constantly telling people, don't give me your opinions and your suggestions in real life. That's you because none of you have earned it. She's earned it. She sends emails every time. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see you guys next time for The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy Chrysler. Merry Chrysler. It's Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Merry Chrysler. Can I get a mimosa?